Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, go to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, a podcast where we revisit favorite pieces of pop culture from our youth to see if they're still as good all grown up. I'm Cara Gale-O'Regan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Poland-Clark. Hello. And our guest today is Steve. Hi, everybody. Steve chose the 1993 film adaptation of the Michael Crichton novel, Jurassic Park. Steve, why did you pick this one? I picked this one because I really loved this movie growing up. I was um, eight when it came out, and at that time of my life, dinosaurs were entirely what I was about, and I had many books on them and toys about dinosaurs. And I knew a compelling amount of dinosaur facts, like a lot of eight-year-old boys do. And this is, uh, while it was a, targeted at a much more mature audience, uh, I this was a film that I absolutely had to see at that age. And my parents took me to see it in the movie theaters, and we've got it on VHS the day it came out. And I, I've probably watched this film about 30 or 50 times um, Rewatching it now, I just could remember every single sound in the score and the, the tempo of the conversation pattern. And uh, this is something that's, that's, that's really been ingrained in me from an early age. What was your favorite dinosaur before this movie? And did you have a favorite dinosaur in this movie? Jordan, that was literally the exact question I was going to ask. <laughs> All right. So... Every, yes, of course, every kid loves Tyrannosaurus Rex, but every kid after this movie loved Velociraptor. So Velociraptor was definitely my number one coming out of the movie. Brontosaurus was my number two. I always liked Brontosaurus and Allosaurus, and one of those two, I think, is Brontosaurus. doesn't actually exist anymore. They've scientifically, like, reclassified it. Um, yes, that is correct. Those are my number two. And then T-Rex, like, like pretty soon after this movie came out, I was like, T-Rex is not the hero that I thought he or she was. And, and you know, it fell a couple of clicks. And then that was later confirmed in the, 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 the future Jurassic Parks where they actually depict T-Rex as a scavenger and more of like a turkey vulture than, uh, than a true predator. Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific dinosaur fact that uh, off the top of your head you could regale us with at this time? Oh my gosh, so many. Um, so all those long, not all of them, but certain species of those long ass neck dinosaurs like Brontosaurus and Allosaurus, they would have a secondary brain right around their tailbone. So in these kids shows, they would tell you that they had a, a brain in their butt. And it's because there was <laughs> such... It was such a long distance for the neural pathway between their tail and the base of their their, their skull that like they needed yeah. some kind of secondary neural center so that they could actually have reflexes and things like that. Um, Holy shit! I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really cool. And <laughs> I would like to tell you guys about how I watched this movie because did the... you watch it in your butt? <laughs> no, <Whoa>. but. <laughs> But um, I so I watched this with a bunch of people and we played a drinking game where you put a mustache on the screen and you drink every time the mustache lines up with somebody's face where the mustache should be. But several times it lined up with people's butts perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so we many times refer to it as a butt stash. And, <laughs> and um, a couple of times it lined up like perfectly with like the first time the T-Rex was on the screen. Perfect nice. mustache. <laughs> Wait. Perfect mustache or butt stash? No, perfect perfect mustache on his face. But just thinking oh, that um, uh, somebody could have a brain in their butt really makes it um, more fitting that the mustache would be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a doozy. That's <laughs> <laughs> a doozy. <laughs> Love it. Well, uh, if for some strange reason you are listening to this episode of Wistful Thinking and have somehow managed to never see Jurassic Park, just give you a little bit of a synopsis. It's set on the fictional island of Isla Nublar, located off of Central America's Pacific Coast near Costa Rica. Can I say my first thing in the movie is I immediately looked up whether or not that was a real island and I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. It is not. No. <laughs> uh, where billionaire philanthropist and a small team of genetic scientists have created a wildlife park of cloned dinosaurs and so they hire a crack team of like a paleontologist and like a paleobotanist so like old ass plants mm-hmm. um and jeff goldblum for some reason he's another scientist of some type he's a mathematician they call him a mathematician don't they a, yeah and they then he do. calls himself something better a chaos titian yeah. right he, sure. he describes okay, himself fine. as a chaos theorist um, who I believe is like hired by the lawyer for the insurance, which makes sense. Um, and actually, like the opening scene is hilarious because you see a, a lawyer, and you know he's a lawyer because he's wearing a suit, but he's standing on a raft, yep, like floating through the jungle. It's just out of his, his element, baby. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, so, it was shot in California and Hawaii. And not actually in or near Costa Rica, because it would have been too hard to get to. Yep. Uh, Shot between August and November of 1992, and post-production rolled on until May of 1993, and was supervised by the director, Steven Spielberg, uh, while he was in Poland filming Schindler's List. So, kind of an interesting time in his life, I'm sure. That's insane. Um, I don't know what to say next. So oh, Jordan, if you have anything, go ahead I, and talk. I don't know if I ever saw this whole movie until now. Really? Then you're then you're welcome. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> I, it wasn't. Um, All right. I I like definitely like knew the iconic parts like like when the uh guy dies on the toilet like i knew that was going to happen yeah. and like when which is to be honest one of my favorite parts of the movie <laughs> and you know like they do the shot a couple of times where like the dinosaur's eyeball is in the window oh yeah or like the dinosaur like breathes on the window oh yeah it's so humid <laughs> the, there's a lot of dinosaurs breathing in this movie um uh or when they were like, oh, the goat's gone. <laughs> um, and So, like, I knew, like, kind of those iconic parts, but, like, I don't really know if I knew them just because I have, you know, been around and it's such a famous <laughs> movie um, or if I've actually seen this before. But, I mean, I liked it. 
it was you know there's nothing not to like about it um yeah that's i mean i i found myself like just as terrified and like responding to it just as viscerally as i think i did the first time i saw it and i probably haven't seen it in about 10 years but it was still like really i found it really captivating and like the music and the score and the sounds and like just it's a i think it's like it's over two hours long yeah. and it's i two have hours a hard and time. seven minutes yeah i have a hard time with anything that's like longer than an hour and a half <laughs> and the two hours i didn't even notice them passing because i was just kind of like so tense the whole time even though i obviously knew how it ended but still very captivating movie i i felt like so i went to universal studios a lot as a kid um not a lot but like some people never go i've been there probably like five times um and do they have is there a jurassic park ride yeah like, there's some like kind there of is. it's like a or it's like, like a log flume raft ride and the power goes out and so you're on this rail and like dinosaurs <laughs> are coming at you and i remember i i went on it when i was 16 and I remember being very scared by it. I remember being like, I'm too old to be scared of a, of a, of a dress park. But it was scary because, like, the noises were loud and there were sparks and it was dark. And, you know, and then they just, like, drop you, like, a log foam style at the end and you get all splashed. <sighs> I feel stressed out just hearing about it. <laughs> wa- watching the movie made me feel more like I was, like, on that ride than I felt, mm-hmm. like... Like, I was involved in the movie. But I was also watching it with a bunch of people who were also yelling at the screen because, like, they were stressed out by it at various levels. Like, one of my friends was like, those kids are going to die. Like, the whole time she thought the kids were going to die. Jory, that just reminds me of Katie when she kept saying, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, it was like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I messaged you directly after I watched it and was like, this is a very stressful movie. You you did. You so told I just me felt you so thought it was very stressful. Yeah. Um, and I generally don't like stressful movies I, because I just find them physically uncomfortable and I don't want to like put my body through the stress. But uh, it was stressful and entertaining. I also like part, part of me because I've seen so many Steven Spielberg movies, I think, is like they're, they're stressful, but they're not like... They're not horror movies, like, they usually have happy endings, right? Like, there's something that I still know where I'm going to feel, like, warm and fuzzy in the end, so I feel safe watching the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And the music. The music is, like, scary sometimes, but it also, like, it's such an iconic score, and it's... It's mostly not scary. Like the tone of it to me sounds like it's so it's magical. It's like magical yeah. and mystical. Yeah, it's very fantastical. Yeah, and it's John Williams wrote the score, so it's uh very John Williams y in that way. <laughs> yeah. Um we actually played the score to this in my high school band. And at least, like, the main theme from Jurassic Park during one of our, like, marching band field shows one year. Cool what stuff. What instrument did you play? I played the tuba, the concert tuba, uh, <laughs> while sitting down, and the sousaphone while walking around. Because you can't really march with a concert tuba. Um, so. I never played it in a band, but I did 
um, do a circus show once with a bunch of five-year-olds where it was like a time travel show. And so we obviously traveled back to, to dinosaur times. And I put like six of them in fabrics and was like, now you will be born as dinosaurs. <laughs> so they were like all covered. And then they like dumped themselves out of the fabrics. <laughs> and I made them walk around like dinosaurs. So. Wow. That was cool. Yeah. That sounds pretty fantastical. So, Kara, have you? What, what's your familiarity with this film? Um, I definitely also was pretty into dinosaurs mm-hmm. as a kid. Not as into dinosaurs as it sounds like you were. <laughs> Not a competition. Um, I think I actually like read the book before I saw the movie, and I remember somebody like remarking to me, like, "Aren't you a little young to be reading that?" <laughs> um, I definitely read the book as well, but I I remember I was in. I was in like first grade when the movie came out. I think I was like going into second grade and I didn't read the book until about fifth or sixth grade. But even then I was way too young, like too young to understand it. I just didn't have the reading comprehension for it. And there was just lots of like swearing and probably a bunch. Like we used to read the Michael Crichton books I think there's a lot more violence in the book than there is in the movie. Yeah. Like just a lot of like really gruesome stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I always, I think about that, like, like in Hunger Games, there's so much stuff that they could say in the books, and it still is like a teen novel, even though like Mm -hmm. all this gross violence happens, but then they can't put that in the movies. So was this, like, this is kind of the same thing? Yeah. Sure. Yep. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't read the Hunger Games books, but I liked the movies. Mm -hmm. The the books were gruesome. I read the, I read Jurassic Park myself when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, but I just, I just remembered this. When I was in second grade, like pretty much this, I think this summer that this movie came out, somehow my sister and I convinced my dad to read the book to us, like as a bedtime <laughs> story. So there was, there was me, I was in second grade. It's what does that make me like seven or eight? And my sister's like two years older. So like eight and a 10 year old. And my dad's sitting there reading this book to us with like long chapters of just protracted like legal it's almost like a, like a like a John Grisham book at some point with just legal proceedings and stuff like that but my, my favorite part was how my dad would edit out all the swear words and it was like so <laughs> obvious every time he did and he was just it's just a very strange picture growing up <laughs> yeah that's interesting it, it's it's funny to think of somebody like trying to edit that out in real time while trying to read kids a bedtime story (laughs) i think it took us something like a year to get through because it's hundreds of pages and how much and how many pages can a kid get through but it it probably took us the better part of a year to finish it yeah was there like i have two questions about the book somebody that i was just watching this with told me that the girl the girl kid like had a way better part in the book. Do I remember if that's true? I don't, but that's probably true. I, I don't remember that um. detail. I think the kids were a little bit older. I think they were teens and a bit more rebellious. So they, they probably had more of a heroism to their arc, whereas they really were just in need of rescue on this. I go, no, the, the girl, I, the girl saves the day with the computer. Yeah. yeah, she's like, oh, this is Unix interface. Yeah. I know what to do. And then somehow figures out how to turn the all the power back on. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Yeah. Guess who auditioned for that part? Kirsten Dunst. Uh, no, Christina Ricci. 
Scarjo. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's our unofficial mascot of wistful thinking. So I wanted to make sure to work that little tidbit in. How do you find that? Is that just like a like a Hollywood fact? Oh no, it's just in the Wikipedia article, oh. which I only got through about half of, but it's very expensive. <laughs> Can I say, this is unrelated to Jurassic Park, but it's related to Steven Spielberg. When I was in college, I took a, I took a course. I, had, I needed an elective. I was an engineering major. I needed an elective. So I t- needed um, something in like English. And I took the course on horror movies. And for the final presentation, you were assigned a horror movie and you had to watch your presentation on it. I was assigned Jaws by Steven Spielberg. I had never seen the movie before, still have never seen the movie. What I did You've was... You've never seen Jaws? I've never seen Jaws. Almost the kind of like as oh a point God. after this, because I was so proud of the fact that I'd never seen it. I watched one trailer on YouTube, and I read the Wikipedia article, and then I just wrote the <laughs> fucking best presentation and got like an A triple plus on it, just knocked it. And I tied in all these like links to anti-consumerism and environmental message just basically like made a whole meal out of all the symbolism you could draw out of it and uh yeah so i got an a without uh, watching the movie <laughs> you should it's a good movie i know should i should it. yeah i was gonna say first of all how uh, dare you uh, it's a really good movie i mean paul F. second loves it so yeah steven spielberg later declared that by choosing a creature driven thriller in the case of Jurassic Park, he said he was really just trying to make a really good sequel to Jaws, but on land. Nice. Well, he did. But He's Jaws cheated. was like... No, Jaws is a totally different movie, but I, like, I ja- get what he I was mean, saying. Yeah, and but like the shark is barely in Jaws. I mean, like that's kind of... Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the genius of it, is like you barely see the shark, but it's so menacing well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think he's, he also uses that to a certain extent in this film. Like, when you don't see the T-Rex or the Velociraptors is, like, kind of one of... Uh, is there a Velociraptor in your room? <laughs> yeah. Just heard, heard a weird noise. Um, like, when you don't see them is actually, like, the creepiest part and the scariest part because, like, you know that something's coming, but you don't know what it is yet. Um, also, one last shark fact. Uh, there is a movie called Jurassic Shark on Amazon Prime that I cannot <laughs> wait to watch. <laughs> really looking forward to that. Sharks are great. I agree, of course. But, mm-hmm. like, I remember... sometimes as an adult I still get very sad at the thought that I will that there will never be another dinosaur the thought that that creature is lost is still like has an emotional bearing on me because it was just so important to me growing up yeah well I think the the kind of I mean, I hesitate to even use the word science because it, that's not exactly what's going on here in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But like the science is like almost more plausible today than it would have been when the movie was made. Right. So you might get your dinosaurs yet. No. Well, yeah. I mean, probably I... not. But <sighs> would you guys you want that? No. No, oh, that seems terrible. 
Yeah, it seems I'm, really like a bad idea, right? No, but yeah. I'm saying like if you if like the world's like it's not gonna be around much longer. Like in 20 years, we're all done. Why not oh, dinosaurs yeah, instead? Like that's it, of all the ways to go, that has to be my top way to go. I mean, yeah, I guess. I recently uh, spent a few days watching a show on Netflix called Zoo, which apparently has been on CBS for several years, and I had literally never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. But the whole premise of that is that there is this, I don't know, it's also very convoluted and hard to explain, but basically the animals are like evolving to a point where they can like communicate with each other and they realize that they don't have to be afraid of humans anymore and they start like taking back the planet nice. and um i find that to be a really relaxing uh thought experiment in these crazy times that we live in just <laughs> thinking like oh well the birds will come and kill us all and then everything will be fine none of this will matter in the end <laughs> yeah our cosmic footprint will be nothing. Yeah. But I, something that occurred to me while I was watching Jurassic Park, um, you know, when they first get to the park and they're on that, like, Hershey factory ride, mm -hmm. and they see that video with, like, the DNA molecule that is, like, explaining what DNA is and, like, how this process works. I think that's probably, like, the first encounter that the majority of the public probably had with DNA science. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that's true or not, but like that seemed true when I was watching it. I no, I was I remember cuz I was thinking about cuz there was big news in I think it was a little bit later in the 90s when cloning actually broke headlines when they cloned some yes. sheep or something. Dolly the sheep. Yeah. Dolly and the so sheep. Yeah. This, that happened like in 1996. This... I went and looked it up. Right. This, so this did Because <laughs> it's like so relevant to this. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because that was my question while watching this. I was like, wait, was this when we were panicking about cloning or was this before we were panicked about cloning? It was a little bit, it was like, ooh, cloning. And then it actually happened a few <laughs> years later and people were like, oh, maybe not. So, yeah. Um, but that cartoon DNA molecule, like, st sticks out. I think, like, when I imagine DNA in my head, it's still that, like, because he's kind of like Clippy from Microsoft Word, but yeah. DNA. Yeah. I did feel like, like where were you when I needed to take bio quizzes? <laughs> <laughs> I did feel like uh, it it the, the the movie did a pretty decent job of highlighting what at the time was relatively cutting edge science. Like even the mm -hmm. technology they're using early in the dig site was something that was new at that time and was kind of revolutionary. And um, I was taking notes as I was watching the movie. And I wrote at the time uh, at that opening scene at when they're at the dig site, Grant's dig site, and they're uncovering what's a fully intact, absolutely like 100% <laughs> pristine velociraptor. I wrote down, people would be losing their shit if they were uncovering this. Because this would have yeah. been like such a mind-blowing discovery of uh, such a wonderful specimen. Um, but yeah, I and also uh -huh. like the idea, the the concept of like dinosaurs having more in common with birds than modern lizards right um i 
I think that was something that wasn't necessarily a new idea at the time. In fact, I looked it up right. and a close relationship between birds and dinosaurs was first proposed in the 19th century yep. after, the discover- after the discovery of the primitive bird Archaeopteryx in Germany. Yep. Um, but I think like as far as the general public uh, and their understanding of dinosaurs, I feel like this movie was what kind of like introduced that concept. Yeah, absolutely. I, cause I remember seeing right around, I think about a year before this, I was watching like a Nova special or something on PBS. Like I would watch some pretty high level intelligent shit as long as it was about dinosaurs if I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like a seven year old watching Nova. And I remember them telling us all kinds of things. That's where I had heard about the link with dinosaurs, um, uh, with birds like shortly before this movie came out so i felt a little bit in the know as an eight-year-old going into this film but yeah it was it was news to most of the public when they saw this movie yeah yeah also news to most of the public in this movie a young bd wong as uh one of the scientists okay i took exactly four lines of notes of i wrote down four (laughs) sentences about this movie because i was like I was like, whatever, we're going to have some talk about, like, it's fine. So I didn't take a ton of notes. The first one says, B.D. Wong hasn't aged, exclamation point. Is he the guy in the hatching room? Who is he? He's the Asian one. Yeah. The only Asian one. (laughs) He's the only Asian guy in the movie. But who is, okay. He is is the scientist who is, like, kind of explaining, um, like the process right. of like how they do like how they developed this process and yeah and he's the one who tells them that there's no unauthorized breeding in jurassic park because all of the animals are female and they engineered them that way yep oh we're going to talk about that too yeah some major side eye there jordan do you have a comment about that no not yet because <laughs> i'm not done talking about bd wong <laughs> okay um no i had just finished watching him in mr robot do you guys watch mr robot no, it isn't. Uh, no, that looks like it will really stress me out. It would really stress you out. Don't watch it. <laughs> uh, it's a, But it's a really good show, and um, B.D. Wong is in it, and he just, like, looks better now. <laughs> like, it's incredible. I was, like, so pumped to see him young right after I had seen him old because he just looks great, and I like him a lot. Um, so that that's one of my four notes. <laughs> nice. So, wait, I, I have a question. Jordan, I... Were you touched at any point? Did any point stand out to you? In this movie? Yeah. Uh... <sighs> Not really. Oh, no. So here's, here's the... No, but here's the problem that I have now. Um, like, in general, when I watch I'm glad anything, you know that it's a problem. That's good to know. No, so so, I I can only see the flaws in most things as of late because of all the talk about about like gender. So like, yeah. I instantly have a problem with this movie because everyone's male and white. So like like at well, Laura, well, Laura Dern is white, but she's, she's not the male. one. The, there's one like well no there's, I there's just like, two there are two i mean like yes of course i absolutely agree with you but there are two female characters the the, the female scientist and the and the teen female and they're both very female they're and what teen female i forgot i don't know i don't know anybody's name other than <laughs> you never you never know anybody's <laughs> I, I name never though do. that's not I don't know. yeah 
Um, <laughs> but like they're both very strong characters, and they pass whatever the hell that the, not whatever the hell. There's that test about are there two female characters, and are they not? It does not over pass that. When did they speak to each other? Yeah, I don't think they actually do speak to each other. Oh, they ha- really? two women have to have a conversation. That I guess not you're about right. Man I guess to pass that test. I guess I just assumed they did. No, you're and right. They never really it, like. If over- they're talking about the dinosaurs, okay. we know they're not man dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, they're female dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they were never so, alone Jurassic speaking Park to passes. each other. Okay, yeah. you're yeah, right. I guess I just I assumed. I guess I just assumed that that had happened, but I guess I'm wrong. So, so yeah, it's not. It's not that I like didn't like the movie it's just that the lens through which i see everything lately is like i just can't i can't i don't you know all right so i'm just gonna throw a scene at you and you're gonna tell i'm gonna throw like an image at you and you're gonna tell me your response i'm gonna open this up to you as well kara um grant falling asleep with the two kids and with the brachiosaurus on the tree in the treetops no, I was no. mad. I was mad that they were going that close to that dinosaur after a different dinosaur almost just ate them. Why were they so close to the dinosaur? That's dangerous. <laughs> but I, d- uh, I, did, I did really I like mean, that yeah. dinosaur though because it looked like it was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't find that scene particularly touching. Oh my okay, god. Try another uh, one, it's though. mostly well, just cuz I was like just so stressed out from like the scene that had just happened cuz that was the big, you know, T-Rex with the car scene. Mm-hmm. Uh I was just like st- still stressed out. Yeah. All right. Um I'm going to name another scene then. Um the scene when with the Gallimimus. Do you remember the Gallimimus? The herd of the, no. the dinosaurs in the field, and they're flocking like 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 land birds, and and the T Rex comes out. And you don't remember this chase? It's like reminiscent of the Lion King when the when the gazelles, antelopes. yeah, the antelopes. Or, yeah, no, I think they're gazelles. You were probably right. Okay, scratch that. Different scene. Uh, Newman getting attacked by the spinning dinosaur. Um, another one of my favorite. That was parts. fun. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. He deserved it. <sighs> something that struck me so much but, this time around is there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um dialogue up front not a lot but you know there's like 15 or 20 yeah. minutes of setting the stage which me as there's a kid a... I, I did not understand a word of it it all went over my head i had no <laughs> idea what was going on and watching yeah. it this time i found it very captivating like it's a very simple plot but i i didn't even understand as a kid why the scientists were going to Jurassic Park and just like understanding that they were investigating like this lawsuit, just all those like little minutia. Oh, was there a lawsuit? Yeah, they, must have missed. They that. were going to get sued by the guy who got eaten in the very opening scene. <gasps> Completely missed that. I mean, I saw him get eaten. I mean, it's totally. I knew there was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I did not connect oh, any of is this. Is that what the lawyer was for? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Apparently. Yeah, I thought it had. I mean, I knew it also had something to do with insurance, but I just figured it was like getting the park ready. It was that very open. opening scene when they, I think they were like transferring in the biggest of the velociraptors, and she somehow broke out and ate that guard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. No, because there was like a lot of exposition and a lot of just like talking, which I wasn't paying attention to clearly. (laughs) Um, But I did write down so much exposition and so little on Jeff Goldblum. His part was so much smaller than I remembered it being. Really? What feels little about his part? Jeff Goldblum. Oh, yeah, but I'm glad because he was really gross. What was gross about him? Yeah. But I, I enjoyed like, it. No, I kind of did too, and it was the most fun when the mustache got on his face, for sure. But, like, he was all handsy with Laura Dern and, like, just being yeah. gross. Yeah. And his shirt was off, and he was all swaggery and stupid. He was, he was that thing, it was that thing in the 90s where, like, he was, the fact that he was sweaty and shirtless was supposed to mean that he was sexy, but, like, he really like, kind of wasn't, or I didn't find him to be so. No, I think he is. Uh, mm, I think he is, but not in this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If that makes no, sense. So, Go like, back to the fly uh, or something yeah. like that, yeah. Oh, no, I don't like that movie. really creeps me out. Um, ugh. Sorry. Just talk about a visceral reaction. that movie really disturbs me I I never saw it it's on my list I've been meaning to see it for years um oh you said you you had comments on that uh they were all engineered to be female uh I just thought like it almost had they almost talked about women do you know what I mean like (laughs) yeah because they were like uh, first they were talking about how they were all engineered to be women, and then they were talking about how, how why was no, why actually, did she say women inherit the earth? Oh, I don't remember. That. I, I wrote think, that. I think that she it... was just making a joke. Uh, I think she was just like making a joke, like like she is a, a like was a feminist of the time, but was just kind of like making a joke at the two guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, f- because first B D Wong says, uh. uh Oh, somebody brings up, like, population booming out of control, and he says, like, oh, no, there's no unauthorized breeding in Jurassic Park, which is just such, like, a grotesque phrase, unauthorized breeding. Well, yeah, I think that's, that's part and of it. somebody asks, like, yeah. well, how, how do you ensure that? And he says, oh, because all of the animals are female, and we engineered them that way. Yeah. They just, I don't, you're right, Jordan. It was like they almost talked about, like... <laughs> The control of women and women's bodies without actually talking Almost. about it. Yeah. Almost. See, I, I I certainly understand that that translation, but like I also feel like it maybe was just meant as a plot device because it is the 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 big twist of it all is that they were able to breed despite the fact they're all female, and the reason for that was because the holes in the dinosaur DNA was interspliced with frog DNA. So it, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it certainly might've been some kind of statement, but it it also definitely was used just like as a, as a scientific plot point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, um, I will say that I, so I, I saw the new Jurassic park. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not. It's, it was, it wasn't good. I didn't like it. I mean, I like, I like to watch Chris Pratt. Um, cause you know, he's good looking, but, um, 
He's also a comedic genius, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's great. I really, And I've been I, saying that since he was on the OC. But that was... Oh, I loved him when he was on the OC. Was, <laughs> how old was he at that? How old was he back then? Uh, he must have been, like, 20. Wow. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he was playing a college kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so... And and even he couldn't save the new one for me. Like I did not think it was he. He was in it, and Lauren Lapkus was in it, and I still didn't like it. Um, but uh, I did. I really hated in the new one the like main woman character. Um, she wore high heels the whole time. Yeah. And I couldn't stand it because she was also running the whole time, yep. and that's just not a thing. And yeah, I mean that's always very obnoxious. So like, so like in comparison to like the old one, and I mean like no, no one looked great in 1993, but they didn't like sex Laura Dern up, you know? Exactly. She had I was, I was flat shoes about and ugly shorts. Yeah, she so. looked like a paleontologist the entire time. Yeah. She was wearing like cargo Excuse shorts. Excuse me. A paleobotanist. paleobotanist. I apologize. Which, yes. which I found like almost like shocking at first because one of my favorite movies is Wild at Heart, which came out in 1990 or 91. So like just a couple of years before this, and like she looks like she's like 20 years older in this, because um, she was just like so sexed up in Wild at Heart. Um, it's just like that. shocking how different she looks. And it's great. Yeah. I love her. I think she's really good in this. Yeah, she's always good. Yeah, she's always um, good. It's true. <laughs> I saw Jurassic World. I think I, I didn't hate it. Really? Uh, but you're right about... So the actress's name is Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, yeah. She's actually Ron, Ron Howard's, Howard's daughter. daughter. Yeah. And I liked her. I just didn't like that yeah. she was running around in heels the whole time, which is yeah. just obnoxious. Yeah. And I would say, do you think, do you think that the new one even pass the test do any women talk to other women in it because like i can almost guarantee you they do not they didn't right because there was there (laughs) was i can i can think of were the kids little boys or was there a little girl no i think they were brothers i think there was two boys i can only there was only she was in it bryce dallas hallard and lauren lapkus and can you think of any other women that were in it uh judy greer was in it at some point oh really i'm just looking at the uh like uh, I feel I like more than listening. in this movie. Well, there was a lot more people in that movie in Jurassic World, like extras yeah. even. Just like it was a big park that people were in already. Yeah. So there was probably a lot more women and people of color walking around. A couple walking uh, around. Not a lot though. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> but yeah, none of them had like big. Oh, B.D. Wong also in the new one. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if he's playing the same character. Let me check. <laughs> Dr. Henry Wu in Jurassic World. And then in Jurassic Park. He is... Oh, okay. No, he plays the same character. Interesting. Hmm. You would have think that guy lost his job. but apparently <laughs> um, a, a great appearance by Samuel L. Jackson in this one with one of my favorite lines yeah. of all time from any movie ever hold on to your butts which he says more than once which i had not realized previously um i didn't either uh i think when they like power everything down 
No. Okay. There, it definitely happens again because I got really <laughs> excited. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, though. You can also uh, tell this was from the 90s because he has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth for the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just tangling, yeah. Um, I also read something interesting in the Wikipedia article. I'm trying to find it in my notes. Ah, here we go. So um, when they were filming in Hawaii, there was actually a hurricane that passed directly over Kauai, which w- was where they were supposed to be shooting. So they lost a whole day of shooting, and um, like obviously a lot of the places that they wanted to shoot had hurricane damage. So Sam Jackson was supposed to film a lengthy death scene in which his character would be chased and killed by raptors, but that set was destroyed by the hurricane. So instead, you don't get to see him die, you just see his gross bloody arm. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I think as a kid, I never understood that that was his arm. Like, I didn't put it together. <laughs> I, I didn't figured understand out, that that was his arm today. I figured it out. Yeah, I figured well, it out eventually, but not for after, like, many, many viewings. Yeah. Yeah, someone had to tell me today that it was his arm. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there's something I was going to say sparked up from what you said. No, oh, I forget whatever it was. Every time I see I a man something... wearing those white button-down business shirts that they're all wearing in the 90s, everybody looks like they've melted. It's like it's the most unflattering shirt. It just hangs and then poofs yeah. right over their stomach. And I always think of, like, how just no man looked good ever in the 90s. No one did. <laughs> no. No one looked good. Although, like, for, for the 90s, Laura Dern's bangs were pretty good. They weren't, like, out of control. I don't know. I'm like pretty into Laura Dern in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, even in the weird shorts and hiking yeah. boots, like I'm there for it. I just kept noticing uh, I how think she looks the best out of anyone. She's also just having so much fun. If you watch the first yeah. half of the movie, she's just laughing and cracking jokes. And I wrote down at that point, like, I, it seems like she's just always a little buzzed off of some white wine. But <laughs> 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 I just kept writing down, like, she's so uh, delightful. Yeah. One in one scene. I, I was watching this just remembering every scene shot by shot, remembering the sounds, and then every once in a while there would be a scene that I just completely blacked out, had no recollection of. And then when I saw it, it came back. The first one that I noticed was the scene where they're feeding the velociraptors with the cow, and they're lowering that harnessed cow down. Oh my god, head. yeah. <laughs> I like as soon as I as soon as I opened that shot, it all came back to me. But I had never recalled that image since seeing it. Really, because that's like one of the most iconic parts of the movie yeah. Yeah. for me. And I mean, and is another example of that Spielberg. Like, you don't actually see it happen; you just see the before and the after, yeah. and like what your brain kind of extrapolates from there is so horrifying yeah and they do like that they do a pan on everybody's or i don't know if pans right but they do like a shot right on everybody's face up from the pit of the velociraptor and it's really cool mm-hmm. and the jolly old guy is just standing there talking about lunch the whole time he's so happy <laughs> he's he's such a charmer he's really his character is fantastic yeah i something that's interesting to me and i have to like I actually want to like go back and revisit the whole franchise now um, and just watch all the movies in order because... Oh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I just, I'm curious about um, how big of a role 
the corporation plays like as a character throughout all of this because I think that that's like I mean like yeah he's just supposed to be some eccentric billionaire but like there's like some pretty interesting I think corporate dynamics yeah that can like that could be explored in this franchise the same thing is true about that show zoo that I was talking about and there's like a whole plot line with the corporation there but like I feel like in these sorts of scenarios, like the corporations don't get enough of, or in, you know, life, real life, uh, like they don't get enough of the blame and like bear enough of the responsibility for like subjecting people to these like yeah. really horrendous events. I don't know. I think that that, I think that is a larger part of the second one. I think the corporation mm-hmm. is somehow like pushing ahead. They're like aware of the dangers and forcing it on the people. I, I believe, I don't know. Right. Well, I've never seen the second or the third one. What happens briefly? What happens in those? I have no idea. Here's what okay, happens. Great. People, here's what happens. <laughs> people think they can make money and then dinosaurs break out and people die. But, and then But how come again. they're allowed to do that after this one happened? How come they're allowed right. to Right. I mean, going? that's the big question. Uh, is like how how are there subsequent movies? Who thought that continuing this project was a good idea? I th- I, I think so this is me just just spitting it off the top. I think in the second one that the corporation like throws a bunch of money to try to cover it up. And proceed as if nothing mm. bad happened. I think, and um, and um, Doctor Ian, uh, whoever is Jeff Goldblum's character, comes back as like crying out the dangers of it, and people write him off as a lunatic. They don't even believe that he's ever seen a dinosaur. If I'm remembering this correctly, which I'm probably not. And then in the third one, something happens where like somehow the dinosaurs are back in nature or they're loose in nature i think they've somehow like there there was a site that was abandoned and they're now loose i believe Mm. that's me just again making things up but i remember the third one taking a real step forward with the image of dinosaurs because it really updated the dinosaurs to look much 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 more bird-like they even had some plumage and the shape of their their um not their bone structure, because we know their bone structure, but the stripe of their, their actual skin was made to look much more bird-like to update it with what scientists now think dinosaurs look like. It was really cool. Were they um, computer animated by, like, the third one? Yeah, I think, like, 100%. And it, so it... it I Watching this one, I, I loved the animation of it, and it didn't... I, I don't think it would hold up as well if we went back and watched the third one. Because I was, yeah, I was even watching that, that very first scene where we see the dinosaur, we see the brontosaurus, and the only thing that looks bad about it is how the brontosaurus is, like, meshing with the background. It's just that, mm-hmm. yeah. and other than that, it looks great, and its movement, it, it looks very realistic the way it rears up onto its hind heads. I don't know the way a dinosaur moves, but, like, it looks like the way an animal would move to do that, and it, it just, it holds up really well, I feel like. Yeah, I know. I agree. And I, this movie was like a huge advancement for com- not just computer graphics, but for digital sound as well. Yeah. Um, just like very revolutionary. It was like a mix of both the computer generated imagery and also um, like animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. But 
initially, um, they actually weren't going to use the compute the CGI. They were going to, um, and they actually like filmed some like stop motion stuff, like specifically Ooh. for the scene with the T Rex in the car, and there were a couple others that it pointed out, um, and it just like they just couldn't make it look real enough. Yeah. Uh, so they contracted with Industrial Light and Magic, which was. Of course, founded by George Lucas when he made Star Wars and is has been a uh, trailblazer as far as um, visual effects go. Uh, but also to like really showcase the sound in theaters when people went to see it. Uh, Spielberg actually invested in the creation of a company named DTS, mm-hmm. which uh, specialized in and like created these like new digital surround sound format things so that like sitting in the movie theater, like it, it sounds like you're actually there, which is cool. Um, I was you know, listening back to it today. I was realized just, it, it sounds so overproduced the, the Velociraptor roar. Cause there's just so <laughs> many, there's so many sounds layered into that, that it like really stands out yeah. against the background and, but it, uh, it 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 was really terrifying as a kid. I remember. Yeah, I the film won more than twenty awards, including three Academy Awards for its technical achievements in visual effects and sound design. Um, grossed over six. Er, sorry, read that upside down. Nine hundred <laughs> million dollars worldwide Whoa. in its original theatrical run becoming the highest grossing film ever at that time, which was a record held until the 1997 release of Titanic. And then was it broken by Avatar? Oh, probably. I'm sure it's been, it's been broken like a zillion times (laughs) since then, but um, they like remastered and re-released the movie in 2013 in theaters. And with that, it actually like broke a billion dollar. Oh, wow. Brilliant. A billion dollars in ticket sales. Wow. Yeah. And it just kind of like ended the genre. Like no one else can do No one can do a di- No one does a dinosaur movie except Jurassic Park. Well, I also feel there like, like there was Godzilla for besi- a while. Besides, like there a, were some people tried. Besides, yeah. like a kids movie, like you know, because kids love dinosaurs and like car- dinosaurs make great cartoons. Like <sighs> everybody should like, love dinosaurs. This this kind of like. It's it's a monster movie, you know, like and that yeah. like that's <laughs> a different that's a, it's almost like a different genre than what this movie was. So like this movie did something like I feel like really special by by not by being more than a monster movie essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it blends a lot of the the aspects of a creature feature with like the kind of like general splendor of going someplace like Disney world or, well, I, I think Disney world, like full stop, there's not really a comparison there. Um, well, and it also does that thing that Steven Spielberg does where he takes kids and if not makes them the main character, makes them really important characters. So like a story yeah. that might have, like not as much appeal to younger people all of a sudden like they can see themselves in it 
you know? That's true. Yeah. I wonder if I would have seen this movie if the kids were, like, made, if the kids were 20-somethings instead of teens. Yeah. Yeah, like, how would it read differently? Right. And does that ever happen today? Like, what? when is there ever a big blockbuster movie that has people of that age category in it? There might be some, but I'm not thinking of any. That has what? Um, like, when is a movie come? I, I feel like growing up, there were a lot of movies where kids from age, like, 8 to 14 were the main protagonists in, like, in the main feature releases. And now oh. I feel like those are only kids' well, movies instead of the blockbusters. Now we have Stranger I Things, think they're though. Just... Like, now they're on TV. You know, they're not in yeah, movies, some yeah. movies yeah. anymore. Yeah. I think, t- like, the, the, like, big studio features are so like mathematically targeted at specific demographics that they're not making like big budget feature films for Mm -hmm. all ages anymore. Yes. Isn't that what superhero movies are though? Yeah, maybe, but they don't have kids in them generally. No, no, no. But like kids will go see them. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the but last one so, I can yeah. think of. Well, it's kind of like how they always make guy movies because they're like, well, women will just go see them anyway, right. so we won't make lady movies. The, the last one. So they do that with. I The kids. last movie I can think of that had kids as a protagonist was Super 8. Yeah. Was there one after? Which that? was fantastic, and I loved it so much. I don't. I don't know. Probably. I don't pay very good attention to, like movies when they come out so i'm not a good person to ask about that <laughs> well we don't need movies we have stranger things true i you know i couldn't get into it i don't i don't think i ever even finished the first season oh. i'd That's say it's worth the second pass if you're if you're up for it yeah i should i should probably give it another go what's the What's the next step in the in the show? Is uh, are we winding towards something? Or? Yeah, we'll wind towards something. But first, I just want to uh, point out all the cool cars. <laughs> yeah. Ford Explorer, right? Which, yeah, Ford Explorers. But uh, like w- the first note that I made about it was sweet Jeeps because there were those like awesome Jeeps yeah. that are like Jeeps. the gas-powered cars that they have. Yeah. But um, and uh, fun fact. Michael Crichton's book actually features Toyota cars in Jurassic Park, but because Spielberg got a deal with the Ford Motor Company, Wait. they provided what? Why would you have to name the type of car in the book? It's an I don't know. I remember but, John but is that a, used to do is that. Is that a that's a thing in books? I didn't know that that's a thing yeah. in books. Obviously, it's a thing it, in books. With like these, like like Michael Crichton was like a blockbuster seller at the time. Yeah, this was yeah. yeah. Nineteen ninety, I think yeah. the book came out. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, no, I just thought it was because he was like particularly detailed, but who knows? Um, yeah, it might have been product placement, but uh, Spielberg secured a deal with Ford, who provided seven Ford Explorers, nice. and they were modified by ILM's crew and veteran customizer George Barris to create the illusion that they were autonomous cars by hiding the driver in the car's trunk. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. They couldn't just but, make um, a track. I feel like that'd be easier. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but like to this day, I would still totally drive one of those Jeeps with the Jurassic Park logo on the side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that might actually be my Barbie dream <laughs> car. For the record, immediately after watching this movie, if Jurassic Park were real, I would get right in line. I, this, I would not hesitate for a second. I would still go after watching this movie. That's an interesting choice that goes against all of your um, protective instincts. 100% okay. I, am, I am on board. I will roll the dice. <laughs> I am up for it. Let's. I want to go. <laughs> uh, those crazies are counting on you. What crazies? Um, I wrote something down, and I don't know exactly what I meant about it at the time, but I think I was just thinking about, um, like that the reason why this movie is so deeply and vis viscerally terrifying is that it kind of like. You're you're faced with a reminder of your status, like as an animal, oh, yeah. like in a situation where humans like are not the apex predator. Um, you're like reminded of the balance of nature, and so, do you guys have any um, stories to tell about an experience like that where you like came face to face with nature and realized that you're just another animal? Because yeah. I think that the thing that's like so interesting about this movie is that there's this hubris of the humans who think like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just dicking around in the lab making dinosaurs. And then it comes back to bite them. I have the balance of nature kind of restores. I have definitely felt scared and humbled by nature where I was like, oh, shit, nature's going to win. I might die. But ne but never by like an animal. So like yes, yes okay. to the feeling that you're talking about, but not, not in the way that you're talking about it. I don't think. Mm. Um, I've had an experience like that. It was um, when I was sixteen. Uh, my dad and I were scuba diving, and we were doing this night dive off. I, I forget where we were somewhere, um, but the whole point was at this point the manta rays would feed and, and manta rays are just, they, they were gigantic. They were like eight to 14 feet in wingspan. And if you can't picture a manta ray, it's got these long, very elegant wings and this gigantic hollow body cavity and just flies around eating plankton. Um, and so they're, they're completely harmless to humans, but they were just so gigantic. And we sat there while they were uh, feeding above us, and it was just really, really humbling and, like, really terrifying. And then when we were going back to uh, our boat, I somehow got, like, a little bit separated from the rest of my crew. And so I was the only person around, like, within the, the distance my headlamp could see. I was the only person around. And I knew which direction the boat was, but I was just surrounded by, like, the inky black ocean and i knew that these gigantic manta rays were somewhere lurking there underneath and they couldn't hurt me but just the fact that they were these massive things that were completely invisible to me was a very terrifying yeah. experience <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting that sounds terrifying because it's just like those elements I, again comes back to that uh, spielberg thing of like not being able to see it but knowing it's there yeah. and the yeah. darkness yeah and almost um, like Lovecraftian the thing, because it's this gigantic like sea yeah. monster. It was yeah, it was yeah horrifying. <laughs> the 
the thing that I thought about was a few years ago, my boyfriend and I were hiking near here and I thought we were going somewhere, but I like, I don't know why I thought that was the case. And we realized that we were like way further out than we thought. And so we turned around and we're coming back and like the sun was setting. So it was starting to get dark and like the sunset kind of just as we were exiting the woods and we walk out and it's like, the trailhead was kind of on like a fire lane. So it's like not, not a lot of, no cars and like no people around, but there was this giant flock of deer. Like I've never seen so many deer in one place. And I grew up in a place with a lot of deer, Um, but there must've been like 50 of them congregating in the middle of the road. And they all just like turned around and looked at us. (laughs) And it was the one of the scariest situations I've ever been in because there were like a uh, there were a couple bucks but like you know even if they're not going to impale you with their antlers they could all just run at you really quickly and kill you mm-hmm. anyway so that was pretty terrifying <laughs> that's awesome yeah um I think that does it for everything that I have Jordan do you have anything else or any game ideas or fun questions No we could play fuck Mary kill Okay <laughs> fuck Mary kill T-Rex <laughs> That was going to be my first one too. <laughs> Or um the the which one The chameleons the little the little ones that end up eating that guy or something so all mean ones all mean dinosaurs yeah. um are they the are they the, the same the spitting ones no they're even smaller they're like the size of like a pigeon or something and they they swarm around and cover some guy and eat him yeah, yeah. does that happen in this movie or one of the sequels maybe it happens in the sequel i can see it in yeah, the brain I remember right that now. scene yeah maybe it does happen yeah in the one. interesting wait okay so which is the one that kills newman that's the Dilophosaurus. Okay, so we got t- Mary Fuck Kill, T Rex, Velociraptor, Dilophosaurus. <laughs> uh, mm, big scary dinosaur, medium scary dinosaur, small scary dinosaur. I would say. Mm. Kill the Dilophosaurus because I find it really creepy. And fuck the T-Rex and marry the Velociraptor. So you would have sex with the Tyrannosaurus Rex? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that's my favorite part of this game. <laughs> because people always, they always say that they would marry and kill something. But they never quite say who they would have sex with. So I like to just make sure. <laughs> I also think so we've, we've only played this game one other time on the podcast before and it was also I feel like we've done it more than that. <laughs> maybe it was twice. But the the time that I'm thinking of is we played it on the Puff the Magic Dragon episode and so it's like it's like we only play it with like <laughs> lizards. cartoons and Love. lizards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Okay, so maybe not the dinosaurs. Fuck Mary, kill Jeff Goldblum in this movie, oh, Laura yeah. Dern in this movie, or the T Rex. <laughs> keep, keep in one dinosaur. <laughs> I would kill. No, let's go with BD Wong. Three humans. I'd kill BD Wong. Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and BD Wong. I'd kill BD Wong. I'd marry. What? What's her name? Laura Bloom. Okay. And then I'd fuck Jeff Goldblum. Interesting choice. Uh, yeah. Okay, oh, kill okay. Jeff Goldblum, 
Mary B.D. Wong, fuck Laura Dern. Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Alright, good work, Tim. Well, good work, Tim. That does it for this episode of Wistful Thinking. As always, uh, I don't know what I was going to say next, which is also true, as always. <laughs> um, as always, find us online at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at WistfulPod. Find us on Facebook. Send us an email with your questions, comments, or something else. Maybe who you would fuck, marry, or kill in <laughs> Jurassic Park uh, to wistfulpod at gmail.com. I'm Kara Gale O'Regan. My co-host is Jordan Poland-Clark. And with us today was our guest, Steve. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>